Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. I'm your host, Aaron Free. Israel and You is the radio podcast voice of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the Jewish people in the state of Israel in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America and even in the church. Today in the program, I want to talk about discernment and the need for discernment. And we we need discernment like never before. This is going to be a two-part series. Today I'm going to set up what I'm going to talk about on the next program. And there's something that's happening right now within within Christianity and specifically within evangelicalism, there is anti-Semitism seeping into the evangelical churches across America. One's coming from the left, and there is leftist evangelical groups that are calling for the division of Israel, the dividing of the city of Jerusalem, calling Israel an apartheid state. And then there's anti-Semitism coming from the right, where extreme right organizations are saying that Israel is no longer uh, the city on the hill, that Zion uh, is no longer the city on the hill where the law will go forth. Uh, But really, it's America, and God has shifted his focus to America. And so there's this extreme Christian nationalism that's rising right now in America. One, One gentleman in a recent event with several thousand evangelical Christian uh, nationalists proclaimed that we need one religion in America. In other words, we're going to wipe out Judaism and uh, make America only a Christian nation. So there's concerning things that are seeping into the church, and I'm going to talk about that next week. But today I want to set up that talk with, with something about discernment and the need for discernment. And people ask me all the time, Aaron, what on earth is happening? What is God calling us to do in these closing days of time? What should be our perspective of a world in crisis? What is our role in the restoration of Israel? And my response is, you need to have discernment. You need to hear from God. You need a firsthand revelation. And I was a pastor for 35 years, and I would start every Monday morning with prayer over a passage I was going to preach the next Sunday. I would read it, and there's a wonderful little word in the Psalms. It's the word selah at the end of many of the Psalms. And selah simply means think about it, chew on it. So I would read the passage. I would selah the passage. I would get it into my heart. And then Monday through Thursday, I would meditate on the passage and the proof texts of the passage. And and God's word tells us to do that. Selah, meditate, think about it, uh, chew on, on the scripture. And then on a yellow legal pad in the morning, 6.30 a.m. morning prayer meetings we had at the church all through those years, um, I would just start writing down the things that that God was speaking to me about that passage through the week. Then on Friday, I would close myself off in my study, and I would study the passage and the proof text of the passage for about 8 to 10 hours. I'd write the whole sermon out by hand. Saturday, I'd get up in the morning, make pancakes for my kids, and you know, hang out with my family till mid-afternoon. They would go into my study at my house. 
I'd go over my notes, pour over those notes. I'd chew on it some more. I'd meditate on it. And then I would type out the sermon. And then every Saturday night at the church, we had a 714 uh, prayer meeting. Why 714? Second Chronicles 714. If my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven, and I will hear, I will heal their land. And so we met every Saturday night for prayer at 714. And I would ask the Lord again in the prayer meeting Saturday night for a fresh, fresh revelation on that scripture. I would repent of my sins from the week. I, I wanted to stand in the pulpit, you know, and Lord, Lord, if I've had an attitude problem this week, if something is in me that needs to be corrected, Lord, I repent. I, I ask for your uh, correction in my life. And Sunday morning early, I'd, I'd get up. I'd go to the church about 7 a.m. And next few hours, I'd go over my notes. I would pray. And I would pray with our pastors. And when I stood in that pulpit every Sunday for 25 years um, in, in, in the one church I pastored in Mobile, Alabama, I had a firsthand revelation. And um, I had a fresh word for God's people. But I would tell the congregation, for me, this is a firsthand revelation. For you, it's a secondhand revelation. And you need to search the scriptures daily yourself as the Bereans were more righteous than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures to make sure of what Paul and Barnabas said was true. So you need Monday through Saturday to get your own revelation from God's word and you need your own altar in your home and you need a first hand experience with the voice of God in your spirit. And God is always speaking. We're not always listening. And so what I would tell them is, Listen, this is something the Lord has given me to encourage you, but you need to have your firsthand revelation through the week so that you come to church on Sunday filled up with, with praise and worship and you're filled up with the, the Word of God. So today, I'm saying to you, uh, my friends, the same thing. You need a firsthand revelation of what the Lord is speaking to you about, your family, your calling, what God expects of you and how you should respond in these critical days of time that we're living in. And Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, there's that little word discernment, you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. Hebrews five fourteen says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so you've got to be in the word daily. You've got to be in prayer daily because right now each and every one of us, we need the power of discernment. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to discern different kinds of spirits in this evil age that we're living in. First Chronicles twelve thirty two says of Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So we need people in this generation, you and I, that will understand the times and know what we should do. So we need understanding. We need discernment of how should, how should we live and what should we accomplish. So what on earth is happening? Matthew 13, there's a parable of the wheat and the tares. And I believe uh, we are living right now in Matthew chapter 13. And beginning in verse 24, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven 
may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then in verse 36, then, the, then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all the lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to let him hear. So what Jesus is talking about at the end of the age, there's going to be a separation on planet earth. And that separation is taking place right now. Let both grow together until the harvest. So when is the harvest? Jesus said, it's at the end of the age. And you may wonder why the world is in such chaos, even here in America. It seems like the unrighteous have lost all sense of morality. Uh, there's lawlessness, there's fear, there's dread, there's panic. What is happening? What is happening is saints are the salt preservative of the world that we live in. And the unrighteous, though they don't recognize it, they've been covered all these many years by the saints, the salt preservative. It's a spiritual covering in our world. And simultaneously, uh, what's happening is there's a couple separations going on. One, uh, the Lord is separating the wheat from the tares. He's pulling the weeds away from the wheat in the time of the harvest. And so what you're seeing is the unrighteous are for the first time like being exposed. They, they don't have any grounding or founding because the, the righteous are being pulled away from them, separated. There's another separation taking place, and it's Matthew 25. And Jesus said, at the end of the age, the Son of Man will come, and he'll separate the nations as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats based on how they treat my brethren. And he goes on to say, I was hungry, gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, gave me something to drink, and so on. And the unrighteous will say, those unrighteous people from the nations, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or naked? And uh, the Lord will say to them, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So what's he talking about? He's talking about his Jewish brethren. And he's really quoting Joel 3, where Joel talks about the same thing at the end of the age. God's going to separate the nations based on how they treat Israel. 
And the ones that have divided up his land, the ones that have attacked his people, they will be separated from the righteous. They'll be separated as sheep are separated from goats for dividing up the land of Israel. So these dual separations are happening right now. The wheat from the weeds, the righteous from the unrighteous, um, based on righteous living or unrighteous living, and then the sheep from the goats based on how people treat the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. So there are forces, even within the church today, calling for the division of Israel, calling for the splitting apart of Jerusalem. So there's going to be goat nations, sheep nations, goat Christians, sheep Christians. There's going to be wheat and there's going to be weeds. And so what we're seeing is a global pulling apart that's taking place and the Lord is doing it himself. And the harvest is at the end of the age. And when the harvest comes, there's a natural separation uh, that the angels will be involved in, that the Lord of the harvest will be involved in. So don't be dismayed by the days that we're living with. in. How should we live? What should be our response to this global chaos? Uh, you know, what should we be doing in these days when we're seeing all these things taking place all around us? Now, I'm going to give you three things that you can do that will help you understand the times, discerning of the times, and three responses to the times that we're living in. And the first is optimistic faith. And this comes from Luke chapter 21. And Jesus is describing the events of the last days that we're living in. And in Luke 21, verse 23, Jesus says, For there will be great distress. How many know that's true? Upon the earth and wrath against this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among the nations. And that's happened. The Jews have been driven um, from Israel across the nations of the earth. But miraculously, in the last days, Jesus is bringing them back. The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is drawing his people back from the four corners of the earth back to Israel. And then the Lord Jesus says, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And when did Jerusalem come back into the hands of the Jewish people? It was 1967. A lot of people say it was 1948, but 1948, Jerusalem was not in the hands of the Jewish people until 1967. And so that's when Jerusalem uh, no longer was trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. But we'll catch this on the other side of the break. We talk about optimistic faith in these last days of time. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. 
One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Welcome back to Israel and You, and we're talking about three responses to the days that we're living in. And the first response is optimism. And we're reading in Luke chapter 21, verse 23 through 33, we've just seen that Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I personally believe that was in 1967, when the Jewish people, after returning to their land after 2,000 years, Jerusalem was back in their hands uh, after more than 2,000 years. And then in verse 25 of Luke, and there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people feigning with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And then, and he told him this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So, The Jewish people were led away captive in 70 AD. They were spread out to all the nations. In Ezekiel and throughout the Bible uh, prophets of the Old Testament, it says that God's going to bring them back to their own land uh, from the four corners of the earth. Jesus said Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And then he said, look at the fig tree. When its leaf comes out, you know that summer is near. The fig tree in the scriptures always speaks of Israel. So Israel is blossoming and we know that summer is near. So when you see these things, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. So what's our response? And it's found in verse 28 of Luke 21. Now, when you see these things taking place, do you get depressed? Do you get anxious? Do you live in fear? No, you straighten up, 
raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So that's a complete faith and confidence. It's optimistic faith. We're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And Jesus is saying, don't be frightened. Don't get caught up in self-preservation. Don't bury your head in the sand looking for a way of escape. For the saints, things are looking up. Things are going to get better. Our redemption is drawing near. And we need to show the world a confident assurance. There's a little word I love. It's resilience. And in Latin, it's resilio. And it simply means re means uh, back. Uh, Zilio means to bounce. So resilience means to bounce back. If you fill up a balloon with air and you put pressure on the outside of the balloon with your hands, uh, if the outside pressure is greater than the inside pressure of the balloon, what happens? The balloon bursts. So for us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So it's these days the saints are going to shine because what's in us is greater than the power that's outside of us in a world that's crumbling, in a world that's being shaken. So all these events are happening around us. They confirm the Bible is true. It's up to date. It's real time, just like the scripture said. So I have no fear because the Bible's being fulfilled right before my eyes. So in Luke 21, 28, it says, Perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will be fainting with fear. And so we've got to know in, in the generation that we're living in, these last days of time, people are fainting. They're filled with perplexity. And I've never had perplexity than one moment in my life. It was the, uh, the greatest moment of perplexity. It was in 2005 in late August when Katrina hit the Gulf Coast where uh, I live. And I remember driving over the day after Katrina. We lived, our church was in Mobile, Alabama. The epicenter was in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. And so we went over, everything was destroyed. All the homes along the Gulf Coast completely uh, pulled out to sea. There was people suffering. There were uh, thousands of people that had perished and drowned in this terrible hurricane. And so we loaded up uh, a car filled with MREs. We had a military guy in our church. We filled up a little Toyota, the back uh, trunk, with meals ready to eat. And we get over to uh, Mississippi and Interstate 10. We saw all the devastation. And as far as the eye could see, there was traffic in both directions. People had run out of gas. It was like a third world along Interstate 10. People were fleeing uh, the hurricane. People were trying to get into the disaster area, but there was no gas stations. So as far as the eye could see, there was people pushing their cars, grandmothers and grandfathers pushing their cars. I remember coming up to this family. They had escaped New Orleans, and um, their, their hood was up, and we stopped to help them, and they said the fan belt broke. But uh, the lady said, my husband just went to the nearby town to get a new fan belt at an auto supply store. And I said, ma'am, we just came from that, that town. There is no auto supply store. She said, what are you talking about? I said, ma'am, the entire town is gone. She couldn't believe it. And perplexity. What do we do? How do we help these people? We gave them you know, a, a meal. But there were thousands of people that were stranded. And I remember getting in the car with the men of our church, and I said, what do we do? I'm perplexed. How can we help the situation? And I remember one of the gentlemen, his name was Fred, he said, Pastor, you know, sometimes you got to shoot with, uh, not with a shotgun and try to, you know, hit everything, 
but you shoot with a rifle and just, you know, focus on one thing, one thing that we can do as a church to help the situation. Rather than try to do everything, let's just do one thing. So we found a little church that had been destroyed, and uh, we started bringing in 24-foot trucks of food over the next week from just our congregation. And at the end of the day, long story short, uh, a doctor and his wife came from uh, Tennessee down to help us. We, we were based in Long Beach, Mississippi at this this church that had been mainly destroyed. And I called up Airbus, and they make military hospitals in Germany. And within 24 hours, they flew to our site, a military hospital, with pure drinking water, with post-op department, with an operation room. And over the next three months, we brought in 150 doctors and nurses from all over America. We saw 10,000 patients in our makeshift hospital. We did 300 surgeries, firemen that you know had cut themselves trying to cut down trees and so on. I saw one surgery, a surgeon, we had a full-time surgeon doing surgeries, and um, he pulled a grappling hook out of a out of a fireman's hand. We didn't take out kidneys or anything like that. We were just doing sutures, people cutting themselves uh, with chainsaws. We fed 7,000 people every day. So at the end of the three months, we fed 250,000 people. Uh, we did 10,000 surgeries. And it was, it was the Christians, it was the saints that had come from all over um, America down to the this uh, uh, disaster zone to try to help people. And, you know, Second Kings chapter 4, Elijah and the widow, uh, she said, you know, the creditors are coming to take my sons. What do I do? And Elijah said, what do you have in your house? She said, all I have is a little oil. And with that little oil, she began to fill her jars. And uh, as many jars she collected, that's how much oil she had. And she was able to pay off all of her debt. So the first thing that we need to have is optimistic faith in these times, these perplexing times when the world is shaking, the seas and the waves are roaring. It's the saints that need to stand in faith in a time of shaking. The second thing that we can do as we discern the, the terror of our times is commitment. Psalm 110.3 says, your troops will be free will offerings. And this is a futuristic uh, declaration in Psalm 110.3. In the day of God's power, and I believe it's the day that we're living in, your troops will be free will offerings. And you yourself, saint, you are an offering to God. And it's, t it's a total commitment with no reservation Paul said on the road to Damascus, who art thou, Lord, and what would you have me to do? And I, I believe that's a, a question that each of us should be asking in these days. Lord, what would you have me to do? I remember a, a missionary came to our church one time, a missionary to India, and he said when he was a young boy, they were calling uh, to give offerings to the mission field, and he didn't have any money. So when the offering plate came by, he put it in the aisle, and this young man, he stood in the offering plate and he said, Lord, I will be the free will offering. I will give my life to world missions. So we often hear that God wants our time and our talent and our money. And it's not the complete picture. God wants your entire life, your full commitment uh, to what he's calling the church to be in these last days of time. So I, I'm out of time, but I'm going to have to pick this up on our next program and I'll give you the third response 
And the third response is agreement with God. But we'll see that uh, on our next time together. So in the meantime, be a, a person of discernment. Hear what God is saying to you. Get a firsthand revelation from the Lord. And we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.